to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are going to be breaking down the conference championship weekend in the NFL. We got two great games happening this weekend. We got Philly in San Francisco and Kansas City in Cincinnati. Should be two really good ones going on. Now, I'm also trying something a little new on this one, y'all. So I am actually, while I'm recording this, longtime listeners of the podcast, y'all will not notice a difference at all. But I am simultaneously recording this, and I'm going to be uploading it to our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube, Mike's Money Picks. Um, trying something new, seeing if this works out. Um, I was not able to get the face cam to work, so it's not going to be a whole lot of visual stimulation, but I will be showing kind of the players as I'm going through some stats, some facts, some info. Um, But if you want a little bit more visual with your podcast, it is available on YouTube. If this works out well, it might be something that we do more of in the future. Um, We'll just have to see how it goes. So if you want to show some support to the YouTube channel, go ahead and give us that subscribe button um, at Mike's Money Picks. All right. So also... Got some more content coming your way later this week. We are going to be doing a college basketball episode um, Friday night, so make sure you stay tuned for that. We're going to be talking about the Saturday games, um, so that way, um, you know, all the big-time tournaments and big-time slates that we got going on on Saturday will be covered, Um, so make sure you check that out. So rate and subscribe to the podcast feed. It really helps me out a lot. But yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into it. So we're going to be doing this episode a little bit differently because this is a two-game slate. So what I'm probably going to do first is I'm going to, well, it's not probably, it's what I am going to do first. What I am going to do first is I'm going to break down both of the games kind of with a little X's and O's background. Um, So that way we can kind of get a picture of what I expect to happen, how I expect these games to go. And then we can kind of start building our lineups within the constraints of a salary cap on DraftKings, talking about the best options and the worst options that are available to us on this slate. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. We do have NFL Championship Sunday coming up with the games being at 3 and 6. That is notable for your contest lock time. NFL's been doing it that way for a while now. And honestly, Championship Sunday, well, Conference Championship Sunday, I should say, one of my favorite days on the NFL calendar, truly. Um, Some great memories, some great games that have happened. Um, My favorite one, personally, 2015, me and my dad were in the stadium um, at Bank of America as the Panthers took down the Cardinals, and it was just an absolute utter celebration. We all thought we were going to win the Super Bowl, and then, you know, Von Miller on Mike Remmers happened. And then also one of my favorites is 2018. Um, I don't remember exactly where we were, but we were kind of in a car, just me and my whole family. And we were listening to the Saints broadcast of that Saints-Rams game. And we hear these broadcasters just going off about this pass interference that didn't get called. And me and my dad kind of look at each other like, well, you know, it's the Saints broadcast. It couldn't have been that bad, right? Like they're definitely embellishing it. And then, you know, you get home and you see the highlights and it's like, oh my goodness, it was that bad. And then, um, so the Rams go on to win that one. And then later that night you had New England and Kansas City in a classic. Just, I'm hoping this Sunday can live up to that as well. And we got four great teams in action, so hopefully it can. Anyway. Let's break down the Niners and the Eagles. So this game is going to be an absolute slobber knocker. We've got two of the best defenses in the league. The last time these two played was the 2021 regular season, which San Francisco won 17 to 11. It was before um, Philadelphia had A.J. Brown. Uh, San Francisco, Jimmy G was still their quarterback. It was before they had Christian McCaffrey. You know, so a lot of different cast of characters in this game. 
Only 26 points were scored. The leading receiver in this game was actually Quez Watkins. I don't remember this play, but apparently he had a 91-yard touchdown that did not score. Now, the over-under in this game this Sunday is 46. Now, these are actually the two best defenses in the league in terms of total yardage, and they're both running-oriented teams. So I expect this game to be played at a slower pace. I expect it to be lower scoring, and I expect there to be a lot of quality football being played. In all honesty, I think these are the two best rosters in the league. And I think that you know this environment does not really lend itself to a game stack. Most When you play daily fantasy contests with two game slates, most contests are won by either going 6-3 or 7-2 in favor of one game over the other. It's not by going balanced with a 5-4 build. So I definitely think that this isn't the one to stack, but you know, you never know. It might be the one to stack. So um, you can make lineups with this one being stacked, but I just think on paper, this one doesn't shape up to be that way. Now, one thing that I do think is very relevant is that the Eagles are heavily reliant on the RPO. Jalen Hurts is just surgical in his use of the RPO. He's going to be asked to make reads on every single play in terms of whether to hand the ball off, whether to keep it, whether to throw it. And I think that that's something that San Fran is not used to. I think that it's something that could neutralize the talent of that San Fran defense. So I think if anybody's going to be able to have success against them, it's going to be Jalen Hurts and this Eagles offense. And honestly, also, both of these teams are kind of vulnerable to the slot. Like, you just look at where these teams are, like, where their weak spots are on defense. They're so good everywhere else. Their slot corners kind of turn into a weak spot, and so they can kind of both turn into slot funnels. So I think if you're looking for ways to attack this game, slot receiver would be one where, whether you're stacking or not stacking, you could get that slot receiver in there and get a leverage point on this game. Now, Cincinnati at Kansas City is the other one, and these teams have actually matched up quite often in the last two seasons. They played three times already in the last two seasons. The totals in those games have been 51, 51, and 65. Interestingly enough, the Bengals have won by three points in every game. Now, the Bengals' big defensive scheme adjustment has been to drop eight into coverage, which has been kind of a very, I don't want to say gimmicky, but just kind of a way to kind of slow Patrick Mahomes down because he does kind of have an internal clock and starts to kind of improvise um, when he doesn't have a lot of a pass rush. It's very weird. He kind of gets pressured when there's no pressure. Now, they did this five times in the most recent game they played, and in that situation, he was actually one for four passing, so it kind of worked out. In the AFC title game, they did it a lot. Now, the big numbers advantage in dropping eight into coverage is this. When you drop eight into coverage and you're playing man-to-man defense, you've got five eligible receivers you got to cover. So now you have three guys left over. And what Cincinnati did was they used one in a spot, they used a deep safety to stay over the top of Tyreek Hill, and then they used another safety to kind of shadow Travis Kelsey because Travis Kelsey is so good at double moves that he can break one way and then break back the other way while the defender's on his hip, and now he's open. Well, you put that second defender on him, and now that second hip, that second move is covered. So um, that's been the Bengals' key to success against Kansas City. Now, I do trust Andy Reid, and I do trust Patrick Mahomes to come up with a solution to that, right? Like, this has 
all the makings of being the perfect Patrick Mahomes revenge game on one ankle at home against a team that's had their number. Just it, it sets up for that narrative, in my opinion. Now, speaking from a purely fantasy perspective for a second, in those three games, Patrick Mahomes has had 20, 21, and 21 fantasy points. So not exactly the most success against Cincinnati. Joe Burrow in those games, starting with um, the most recent one in the regular season, he had 30 fantasy points. 13 fantasy points in the AFC title game last year, and then 34 fantasy points in the regular season last year. Interestingly enough, also Mahomes' trusty target, Travis Kelsey, in those three games, 13.4 in the regular season game last year, 25.5 in the AFC title game last year, and then 7.6 in um, Cincinnati in the regular season this year. So um, you can definitely see that the Bengals put an emphasis on covering Kelsey in that last matchup. So... That's kind of how I expect these two games to shape up. I expect the AFC game to be much more higher scoring. I think the two defenses are worse, and the offenses are more pass-heavy as opposed to run-heavy. So you're going to see a little bit of a faster tempo. You're going to see more plays, which leads to more fantasy points and more production for our guys from this game. So I think that this is the one that you want to game stack, and I think that you know it's going to boil down to how you pick your quarterback. So um, let's go ahead now. That does it enough for kind of our X's and O's kind of preview. Let's go ahead and break it down from a fantasy perspective, starting with a position-by-position position breakdown with the quarterback position. All right, so let's start breaking down this quarterback position. First, I still think that Patrick Mahomes is the best option, playing on two ankles, one ankle, no ankle, whatever. Give me Patrick Mahomes any day of the week. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think he is the most skilled quarterback I have ever watched play. Obviously, Tom Brady is the GOAT. He's the most accomplished, but Patrick Mahomes just does things that I've never seen a quarterback do. I am willing to rock with Mahomes even through the ankle injury. I am not concerned. Um, to me, he has the highest upside of any of the quarterbacks on this slate, um, especially considering that this game could, you know, reasonably be pretty high scoring. So I definitely think Mahomes is the number one option. Jaylen Hurts, I would have second. I think he does have a little bit of rushing upside in this one. And I think that's the reason that I'm kind of more confident in Hurts over Burrow. However, I still like stacking the AFC game a little bit more than I like stacking the NFC game. So I think there's creative ways to get to roster construction where you can get to Hurts and still you know, find ways to get more exposure to the AFC title game with the bulk of your lineup. So Burrow would be my third option for this week. You know, that great history against Kansas City that we mentioned earlier um, would be, you know, definitely under consideration. Kansas City is also by far the most friendly matchup to quarterbacks of all these four teams. So I definitely think that Joe Burrow is a solid, solid option, and I would have him ranked third. Now, Brock Purdy would be my fourth option. However, I don't think that there's as much of a gap between Purdy and Burrow as their salaries indicate. You know, the Dallas game was Purdy's first game where he's been a starter, where he's scored single-digit fantasy points. So I think that this, you know, like he's priced so far down there that I think he still could, you know, pay off his value. He could still could have a solid fantasy performance, even against that tough Philly defense. Now, let's go ahead and switch on over to the running back position. So Christian McCaffrey still gets top billing at the running back position. But what people might not notice was that he was actually out carried 14 to 10 by Elijah Mitchell in that uh, 
divisional game against Dallas. But the good news for McCaffrey is the touches that he got were the ones that you want. They were kind of the cheat code touches, right? He got the short yardage touchdown and he got eight targets through the year of which he caught six of them. So you're still looking at a pretty solid usage rate for Christian McCaffrey. I'm just, you know, throwing that out about Elijah Mitchell to say he did get 14 carries. He is a part of the game plan. He is somebody that if you were looking to play as a leverage play against Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell would be that guy. Um, the snap share was still 67% for Christian McCaffrey, though. So Christian McCaffrey is still the number one running back option heading into the weekend. However, I don't think you can pay up at the quarterback running back, wide receiver, and tight end positions. So um, if you're going to have to make concessions, he might be a guy that you might have to downgrade. Now, Joe Mixon is the second listed running back in salary. The Bengals' offensive line, as much as it was maligned in the media, looked pretty good last week to me. They were just mauling the Bills up front, having whatever they wanted in the ground game. And Joe Burrow was able, I'm sorry, not Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon was able to, you know, use that block into his advantage and score 23.3 DraftKings points. Now, Joe Mixon does not have a great history against Kansas City. And believe it or not, Samaj Piran kind of does. Samaj P. Ryan caught a touchdown last year in the AFC Championship game, and he also had 24.5 fantasy points against Kansas City as a starter earlier in the season, and he was still involved in the game plan last week against Buffalo. He had seven carries and five targets, so I think that Samaj P. Ryan is actually a very sneaky GPP play, a guy that you can definitely go to to relieve some salary, um, and I think he's not going to be anywhere near as highly owned as any of the quote-unquote starters. I always say quote-unquote starters because the running back position starters a very fluid term. Speaking of which, Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco, I think they're both in pretty solid spots if I'm being honest. Jarek McKinnon had 64% of the snaps last week. He did have 11 carries, but he did not check in with a target. Uh, Pacheco, with the smaller snap share, actually out-carried and out-targeted McKinnon. You know, Pacheco had 12 carries and one target, so he had the advantage by one in both carries and targets. Now, I think they're both in a solid spot against Cincinnati. If you think that um, Kansas City leans on the ground game more because of the Mahomes angle, which by the way, I think he's going to be totally fine. If you think that that's like something that could happen, it would be Pacheco that you would want. Um, but if you're kind of stacking Mahomes, Jarek's going to be the one that's going to get you a touchdown in the red zone, you know, from receiving. So I definitely think that there's merit to playing both these guys. I would say if you want to play one with Mahomes, go with Jarek. If you want to play one away from Mahomes, go with Pacheco. Earlier in the season against Cincinnati, Pacheco did have a lot of success, 16.2 fantasy points. Jarek also had some success as well. He had 14.0 fantasy points. Jarek was more involved in the pass game, just like we would always figure. Now, for the Eagles, I do really like the price discount on Miles Sanders. Like, this is the cheapest Miles Sanders has been, I believe, the entire season. Yeah, it has been the cheapest he's been the entire season. And I think it's because of the defense that, you know, he's playing against. We talked about last week, only one running back has scored more than 20 fantasy points against San Francisco. And believe it or not, it's Christian McCaffrey when he was, you know, a Carolina Panther. So um, I definitely think that that streak could continue, but he doesn't need 20 fantasy points to pay off his value. I also think that it's overblown that the 49ers, I'm sorry, that the Eagles are having a running back committee. A lot of Gainwell and Boston Scott's carries came after that game last week was like just out of question and it was pretty much done. And so I think that Miles Sanders is the guy that you want in that backfield. I'm not concerned about it being a committee. I am concerned about the matchup, however. So uh, as I'm looking at the running backs on this slate, McCaffrey would be one, Mixon would be two. 
Uh, I would probably say whichever Chiefs running back you would pick would be three, with the other one being five and Sanders being in that fourth spot. Now, like I said, I think Elijah Mitchell and Samaj P. Ryan are both very interesting GPP plays. But if you want to just stick with the starters, the quote-unquote starters, I think you can do that on this slate. I think there's enough ways to relieve salary that you can just stick with those top five guys. All right, let's take a quick breather and head on to the wide receiver position. All right, so at the wide receiver position, the top option on the board and the top salary wide receiver on DraftKings is going to be Jamar Chase. And that really does not come as a shock. Um, The biggest game of his career was against Kansas City last year in the regular season. And he's been pretty solid ever since he came back from injury. He's had over 14 DraftKings points in every game since he returned from injury. And he's had at least targets in all of those games. He had only 16.7 fantasy points when they played Kansas City in week 13. But like I said, he showed that big time potential against that Chiefs secondary last year in the regular season. I think Jamar Chase probably has the highest floor out of any wide receiver on this slate. And I would say that even if you're not stacking the Bengals Chiefs game, he's a solid option to fit into your lineups. Now, speaking of other Bengals though, T Higgins has been kind of up and down. T Higgins actually did outshine and outscore and out target Jamar Chase in the AFC Championship game last year against Kansas City, but he only had 12.5 fantasy points against Kansas City in the regular season, and he only has 15.5 total fantasy points in the playoffs so far this season. So I'm not really sold on T. Higgins. I do like the price discount that we're getting, but I just feel like I would rather go elsewhere. The Chiefs are actually very vulnerable to the slot. They've kind of flipped around what positions their corners play uh, with luxurious Sneed kind of moving around playing different spots. And so if you want to exploit that slot vulnerability, Tower Boyd is the guy that plays the slot for the Cincinnati Bengals. He had four catches for 60 yards for a smooth 10 fantasy points against Kansas City in the regular season. Uh, He only has 8.9 total fantasy points so far in the playoffs, which does lead to a big time price discount. So I think the Tower Boyd uh, definitely very interesting play in or out of a stack slot is a place that you can find the Kansas City Chiefs to be vulnerable. All right, now let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. So Devontae Smith has actually out-targeted A.J. Brown. I'm sorry, let me rephrase. He's outscored A.J. Brown in four straight games, and he's only out-targeted A.J. Brown in three of those four games. So I think that Smith is probably the guy I would prefer. Smith is also the guy that is more likely to operate out of the slot, which is the Phil, or I'm sorry, the San Francisco 49ers weak spot on defense. We mentioned this time and time again with this San Fran defense. They're the league's biggest slot funnel. So basically a higher percent of a higher percentage of fantasy points are scored from the slot position against the San Francisco 49ers than any other team in the league. It's not total points, it's percentage of points that are given up by that defense. Now also, when it comes to Philly, I'm not giving up hope on Quez Watkins. Um I just think he's kind of a guy that he could pay off his salary with one catch. And he did that in the last regular season meeting between the Eagles and 49ers. So I think that Quez Watkins is a guy that's definitely worth a dart throw. He's going to be super low owned. Um, he might give you a goose egg, but he also might catch one one ball for 60 yards and a touchdown and immediately put you in great position in a GPP because of it. Now for the 49ers, I will be totally honest. I'm not real interested in anybody outside of Debo Samuel. I'm really not. Ayuk's price is a little bit down, which definitely makes him a little bit more appealing to play. But I just, 
I can't get behind him in, in this in this situation. I just can't. He hasn't been in double-digit fantasy points since Debo Samuel came back from injury. Debo Samuel has everything going for him in this game that we want from wide receiver against the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to be operating from the slot, which is the Eagles' weak point ever since Amante, Avante Maddox started dealing with injury issues. And... Debo Samuel gets schemed touches. What I mean by that, they're going to give him the ball in the backfield. They're going to get it to him on screens, jet sweeps, just stuff where the play, it's going to Debo and they're going to have to tackle him. And I really like that situation for a wide receiver, especially at his price tag. And I think that this is a really good spot for Debo. I like him in or out of any game stack with the 49ers. Now for Kansas City, I got to be honest. Juju Smith-Schuster does not excite me at all. He is still this team's primary slot receiver, which is not really the best. Like Cincinnati's not a slot funnel like the other three teams on this slate are. So I don't think that's that's necessarily a reason to play Juju. He just hasn't been really solid lately. Um, he only had 6.5 fantasy points against him in the regular season. I just It's hard to get excited about him. Now, Marquez Valdez Scantling, I actually think has a little more upside. Um, he did catch the touchdown last week. It was his only catch. Um, but you know, he's been about the same in terms of production as Juju. He's a little bit cheaper, and you know, he does have that touchdown to his name more recently than Juju does. Now, if Nicole Hartman does actually play in this game, I really, really like Nicole Hartman. He was a guy that they were finding all kinds of ways to get the ball in his hands. He was having a great start to his season until it got derailed by injury. He's been limited in practice all week. Um, so I do think there's a chance that he plays, but I just, he's the easy guy that if he plays, I would want in my lineups. Now, my favorite Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver though, is Kadarius Tony? So Kadarius Tony has very quietly been in double-digit fantasy points in each of his last three games. He is getting scheme touches, much like how we talked about with Ebo Samuel, and he is electric with the ball in his hands. Um, I really thought he was going to get a touchdown last week. I believe he was out at the two on one of his plays, and he had seven total targets last week as well against Jacksonville. So in that bye week, they pretty much found ways to get Kadarius Tony the ball and get him involved in the offense. Set a season high for targets. So I think that Kadarius Tony, out of all the receivers for the Kansas City Chiefs, has the most upside. And at his price tag, I like him in or out of a stack. I think that he has the most upside out of any wide receiver that is priced under Debo Samuel, if I'm being totally honest. So I really think that it, it's all there for Kadarius Tony this week. He is one of my favorite value plays on the slate. Now watch me say that, and he ends up going for a goose egg. But I, I don't think that's going to happen because he is getting scheme touches. All right, now let's talk about the tight end position. So Travis Kelsey is actually my number one pass catching option regardless of position. I would prioritize getting Travis Kelsey in my lineup if I were you. Listen to this game log for postseason only play. 35.8, 25.5. 23.6, 25.9, 23.3, 36.8, 24.9. That goes all the way back to the San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl. Um, so pretty much ever since COVID-19 was a thing, he's averaging or he's scored those points in playoff games. He's averaging those seven playoff games is 28 fantasy points in PPR scoring. So that is just unreal. It's production that is just incredible. He's Mahomes' guy. Mahomes, when he needs to make something happen, he goes to Kelsey. And if you need more evidence of that, look last week at his 35.8 fantasy point performance. He had 17 targets, caught 14 of them for 98 yards and two touchdowns. Just incredible. Um, I, I don't have enough good things to say about Travis Kelsey. I like him in any situation in your lineup. I think he is, I would prioritize getting him in my lineup this week. 
Now, out of the rest of the tight ends, I would have to rank George Kittle too. Um, I'm not as excited about him as Kittle, obviously, and I don't think I would be as excited as I would be with Dallas Goddard. Um, I think that Goddard has a sneaky little upside play, and he's a little bit cheaper. Kittle's been more consistent for sure, but I think that Goddard, you know, little sneaky upside. Dalton Schultz did score a touchdown against San Francisco last week, which does give me hope that tight ends can score fantasy points against the San Francisco 49ers. And Goddard has been a huge red zone target. We saw it last week against the Giants. They look to get this man the ball when they get close to the goal line. So I definitely think that Dallas Goddard, high upside play at the tight end position. Like I said, I'd probably rank Kittle too in terms of pure fantasy scoring, but I'm a little more excited about Goddard. I think Goddard has a little more upside. Maybe gives you a little more points per dollar. Now, Hayden Hurst is also kind of the sleeping giant here. He's very quietly coming off of a 16.9 fantasy point performance against Buffalo. I really would not mind a two tight end build with Travis Kelsey and Hayden Hurst if you're just looking to onslaught this Cincinnati-Kansas City game. Um, Earlier in the season, he didn't have a whole lot of success about Kansas City. I believe he actually left that game early, if I'm not mistaken. But he only had three targets, two catches, and 12 yards. But I definitely do think that he is a solid option. He's a part of this Bengals offense. And at that price tag, I'll be honest, I would rather have Hayden Hurst as a $3,000 flex than a lot of other wide receivers that I could get as a $3,000 flex. So if it comes down to that price, why not go ahead and just go with Hayden Hurst? Now, I do think that Noah Gray and Blake Bell are like the ultimate punt plays. So Noah Gray actually got the tight end sneak last week, um, you know, where they lined up a tight end at quarterback and and snuck it to him uh, like he's a quarterback because they didn't want Patrick Mahomes getting hurt. Noah Gray got that snap, but I actually thought it was going to go to Blake Bell because, you know, Blake Bell actually was a college quarterback and he was kind of just used as a bulldozer. Um, That's how he got the nickname, the Belldozer. Um, So... I kind of think either of those two guys, they're interesting punt plays. Noah Gray is actually involved in the offense. Um, Blake Bell is not. But, you know, if I don't see the Chiefs quarterback sneaking with Patrick Mahomes. And so if one of those guys gets a tight end sneak for a touchdown, that's an instant 6.1 fantasy points. And so I think that it's definitely an interesting punt play. It's not going to be something that people do a whole lot. It's not an optimal play. But it is something to consider that you could maybe see yourself with an instant six points from one of those guys. All right, now let's talk defenses really quick. I'm going to be honest. It would be hard to talk me out of playing the Philadelphia Eagles. They're my favorite defense on this slate, and I think they have the best potential for forcing turnovers going up against Brock Purdy. Really, Dallas is the only good defense that we've seen Brock Purdy play, and I just think that all the other defenses, I don't think their ceiling is as high as the Eagles. I I think that The San Francisco offensive line also had a little bit of trouble with the Dallas pass rush. So maybe, you know, the Eagles had the most sack upside as well. Um, Cincinnati in the regular season against Kansas City played about as good as they possibly could have. Like, for real, they played about as good as they possibly could have against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they only had four fantasy points. Now, in that same game, the Chiefs only had one fantasy point, but I just think that, like, that's the ceiling. Like, yeah, the Cincinnati is the cheapest defense, but, like, the ceiling is, like, four or five fantasy points, unless they get really lucky and get a defensive touchdown. So I'm just not buying it with either of those two defenses. I would definitely pay up for either the 49ers or the Eagles, and I think that the Eagles, you're definitely getting the best bang for your buck with that $2,800 on DraftKings. All right, so that does it for 
the slate, y'all. That does it for Conference Championship Sunday. So remember, lineups are going to lock at three on Sunday, so make sure you get them in. If you want to see how I started building all of my lineups, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Dropping my lineups for, well, not full lineups, but dropping my builds for college basketball, NFL, golf, and more. So if you're interested in that, head on over to the Patreon. And we're now available on pretty much every platform that podcasts are available on. Apple, Spotify, uh, iHeart, Stitcher, Pocket Casts. I think that's all. Google Podcasts. And also simulcasting this one on YouTube. So um, it would greatly help me out if you hit that subscribe button, if you hit that rate button and review button. It would greatly help me out if you appreciate the DFS advice. Also, um, feel free to shout it out on Twitter. At Mike's Money Picks is my Twitter handle. I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sit questions. And I also post some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the show. All right. So best of luck to you guys in all of your DFS endeavors. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see y'all next time.